Good morning, church. There is a, a world of difference between being an hourly worker and being salaried. Uh, quick show of hands, how many of you have ever been hourly and salary? I'm glad you did that, even though I can't see. Uh, now, granted, there are good and bad employees of both types. In both cases, work ethic, attitude, ability tend to determine who's worth their salt and who isn't. But from the worker's perspective, all things being equal, the two types of employment are very different. For example, when you're hourly, working extra hours has the consolation of a bit more cash in your pocket when it's time to get paid. Now, if your salary, that extra time doesn't usually translate into extra pay. If you're going to work more, there have to be other things that motivate you to do it. Maybe there's worry that the project you're working on won't be ready on time, and that reflects poorly on you. Maybe you get passed over for a promotion. On the other hand, you might really care about the project, and you want to see it succeed because you believe it's actually a good and worthwhile thing. Of course, hourly employees can care about the job too. That's not the point. The point is that when you're hourly, you get paid for the time, whether you believe in the work or not. But a salary worker has to want more than the paycheck to invest the extra time. There will be folks in both categories who do the bare minimum or less, and there will be overachievers in both. And it seems to be that the happiest, most fulfilled workers aren't necessarily the best paid. They're the ones who believe in their work. The ones who believe that what they do is worth the doing. In today's parable, we read about workers in a vineyard, and in particular, how they felt about the boss's salary policies. And before we dive too deeply into that, I noticed something interesting about this parable. Most of the agrarian parables focus on either the very beginning of the process, sowing the seeds, and the end of the process, harvest and threshing, but not many spend their time in the middle. This parable, in particular, is a bit of a standout in that regard. We aren't really told how far along the vines are. These guys could be pruning branches, they could be watering the vines, they could be harvesting the fruit. We, we don't really know. That might be worth a moment's consideration. It's a parable about the long middle time. The time we are undeniably in right now. And if we keep this straight, it'll help orient us for the rest of the story. The yearly cycle, the, the growth of the vine, the bearing of the fruit, the harvest, and eventually the wine pressing, probably represent the movement through history of God's kingdom from its humble beginnings to its fulfillment on the last day. But the whole parable takes place on a single day. So what is that? I think it might be right to picture the day as the lifetime of the men in the story. After all, it's only then that we should expect the promised reward from God for the work we have done. No doubt, we do get little mercies and blessings along the way, but scripture is clear that our treasures, our reward, are kept for us in heaven. And we ought to press on 
through this life so as to attain it in the end. So we have the landowner, God, it would seem, who wants people to cultivate his vineyard, that is, to work on the health and growth of his kingdom. The goal here is to work so that the vineyard bears fruit. Fruit, you understand, is the point of the vineyard. The landowner planted a vineyard so that he would have grapes. The vineyard doesn't exist for its own sake. It has a purpose outside of itself. The vine is not nourished by its own fruit. Its fruit is meant to feed other things. The landowner goes into town looking for people who want work. He hires some guys first thing in the morning with the typical wage, a denarius. That's pretty much the going wage for a laborer, one denarius a day. So that sounds fair. The guys climb in the bed of the truck and they head off to the vineyard. But it's not enough people. The landowner heads back into town a few hours later. He offers a denarius. You know, that's about right. They're still most of the day ahead of them. If they work hard, maybe they can put in a denarius's worth of effort. Then things go a little strangely in this parable, as they do in most parables, because the kingdom of heaven is not like the kingdom of earth. See, the landowner goes back into town every few hours. He hires more guys and he offers them each a denarius at the end of the day. But that doesn't make economic sense. You know, the end of the day is getting closer and closer, which means the hourly wage of the last man hired is so much higher than the first. It's a sweet deal if you're the last guy, right? Maybe. And it's kind of a bum deal if you're the first, right? Maybe. But maybe not. Certainly the men in the story thought so. And I suspect they misunderstood the value of a good day's work. Oh, sure. You could say that the value of a day's work is a denarius. That's what they agreed to. And it seemed fair at the time. But that undervalues things by far. After all, the vineyard is good. Sure, you have to work hard in it, but it exists for a good reason. From the vineyard will grow fruit that blesses the farmer, his family, and the whole community. If not for the vineyard, there would be no harvest. And then, where would we be? Doing the work in the field is, in itself, a good thing. Sure, you may sweat and ache, but isn't that a small price to pay to feed the town? When the harvest comes in, you can look at it and say, I was part of that. And as many of you know, if you grow the food, it just tastes better. Consider the alternative, right? What the early workers were jealous of. Wasting the day until the very end. After all, the workers came to the field precisely because they had, and I mean this in its fullness, they had nothing better to do. They were idling and without purpose. So what is this story really about? 
Well, Jesus understands the apparent injustice of giving the same reward to the the deathbed convert as he does to the lifelong committed Christian. It seems foolish and bizarre, and it seems to incentivize the wrong things, but that is because the kingdom of this world teaches us to judge things on how we are personally benefiting or missing out. And that's just not how the kingdom of heaven works. Listen again to the master's words. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Do you begrudge my generosity? If we were more kingdom-minded, perhaps we could learn to love and praise God for showing mercy to the latecomer. If we were more mature, perhaps we would see that missing out on the kingdom for most of your life isn't better than being part of it for the long haul. It's a wicked voice in our heart that tells us to be jealous of all the years we wasted in God's kingdom just to have the same reward as the one who lives wildly and comes to Christ late in life. It's a wicked voice because it's telling you that life is better outside the kingdom than in it. Friends, Christ died and rose again to redeem you for today as well as for eternity. The gift of salvation isn't an IOU to be cashed at the end of your life. It's a beautiful treasure to be enjoyed today. It's a privilege to be part of God's life-saving and life-giving work today. The work is sometimes hard, but it's well worth it because it is the noblest thing you can do, cultivating life for the world around you. That's the value of a good day's work in God's kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that whether you called us first thing in the morning or late in the day, you have called us to work in your vineyard. It's a noble and beautiful thing, and we ask, Lord, that we would value it the same way that you value it. We love you and we thank you and praise you for your generosity that shows mercy both to the early comers and the late comers. We ask, Lord, that you'd guard our hearts from from jealousy or, or envy or regret, but rather, Lord, that you would set our hearts and minds on the beautiful task that you set before us, cultivating your vineyard right now. All these things we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.